Hello, Clarice. Hey, it's time for the Get Geekish podcast. That's going to give me nightmares for years to come. Uh, it's Bino and my cohort. Me, Derek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's weird. On my side, you pointed the wrong way. Oh, well, you know, it happens. I'm the one recording it, so the way I point what matters. Okay. Anyway, uh, you guys, uh, if you're a longtime listener of the, the, the program when you go with the podcast, you know. Program, something like that. We're getting geekish, and we love getting geekish about all kinds of things. We just don't have time to really dive into most of them, but we still enjoy it. So I want to share that love of everything, and one of the things we do every month or so is a little celebrity spotlight. And if you haven't been able to tell by the guests you can see behind Derek over there, we're talking about Sir Anthony Hopkins this week. So Philip Anthony Hopkins, born in 1937. That's a... that was a while ago. <laughs> I know this sounds sounds a long time ago, but he's he's a perennial favorite. Um, I think across a lot of different genres of fans, use theater like he's he's just a very talented man and a very entertaining man. And doing a little research, I learned a lot about him. Yeah, he he's done actually quite a bit. I mean, he's been in pretty much every genre of film that you can think of. Yeah, when you go just to IMDb, he's credited with a as an actor 137 times, eight on soundtracks, four credits as a composer, four credits as a producer, three credits as a director, two more from the music department, and one more credit as a writer. So yeah, he's he's well versed. A few talents, we'll say that. <laughs> and he's a sir. So yes, he is a sir, an, an actual sir, and that happened in uh, what was that, 1992? I think that happened. Yeah, that sounds about right. You have the the, the paperwork on that one. <laughs> when, I, when I find out, we'll get to that. But yes, he was was knighted. Uh, but he's actually won a boatload of awards. Obviously, I think for our generation, one of the first things that comes to mind is Hannibal Lecter in, mm-hmm. and that was a, a a mark that put him on the map. And it's just as told by the background behind you right now uh it's you know iconic if you will well the the crazy thing about that movie too is he's not in it a whole lot which is something people a lot forget about because you know his scenes he stands out they're so iconic but he's in the movie for i think i don't know like 20 minutes or something like that it is not much I think 29 minutes or 32 minutes. You keep talking and I'll look that up. Yeah. Yeah, Something, something along those lines. And I think what set his acting apart in that movie from a lot of other movies and everything like that is the way he brought Hannibal Lecter to life from the book to the screen. And especially with every scene on him, he doesn't blink whenever the camera's on him and he's talking, he does not blink. And that was was all ad-libbed. He decided to make it creepier and it, it worked. I never really noticed how creepy if you try just even try and talk to yourself in a mirror without blinking, if you can pull it off, it gets really creepy. As soon as you can get to that 20, 30 second mark, it starts getting really, really <laughs> just saying it kind of hurts right now, ah. <laughs> but 24.52 minutes. Yeah. It's not a lot, but he had that much of an impact to be in that little of the movie and to have, that kind of staying power in people's minds. Um, apparently, he also did a lot of other uh, 
uh, I guess you call it Im- improv as part of that role. <laughs> uh, he was mocking Judy Foster's southern accent uh, when he was talking about the word Chianti and the slurping sounds that he made. Those mm-hmm. were by a writer. That was all just him diving into the character and trying to make it his own and doing what he thinks should be right with it. And I'd say he chose well. Mm-hmm. It was like that movie. I remember the first time I saw it, I was like, this is crazy. And then I read the books afterwards for psychology class. And the whole time I was reading is just him. And I think that's just a fantastic job. And that, yes, there's been other renditions of Hannibal Lecter. There was, you know, the one in Manhunter that came out before Science of the Lambs. And then there was obviously the TV show, which I hear the TV show is fantastic. But to me, it's always going to be Anthony Hopkins yeah. in that role. Yeah, it's just it's just the way it is. And it's uh, it's amazing the kind of work he puts into it too because I was reading about is he's he's well known that when he gets a script, he very often goes over the script 200 or more times because he wants to know it that he can do the entire script without even thinking about it mm-hmm. in order to do it right, which you know, some people won't put that kind of even actors in Hollywood, a lot of actors make their mark, oh yeah, I can read the script once I've got it memorized, I can say my lines. But to actually go over it 200 times to make sure you know exactly what's going on inside that character's mind and how to portray it, like it's a, uh, uh, it's a feat. And then when he's done, he says that he doesn't remember the lines. He was over 200 <laughs> lines and then he just completely forgets them. Which is that's bad. A- <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty crazy. I mean, and especially what you said, 137 acting credits to his name. I mean, I guess you'd need to learn how to purge that. Start doing some math. You're going to pull up the old abacus to figure that one out. But. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> he uh, <laughs> uh, also has a, a slight disability as well. Did you know that he's dyslexic? I did not. Yes, apparently that was a bit of a learning problem growing up. When he was growing up, he loved all kinds of art, and he was not a very good student because he liked making art, creating art, drawing, painting, singing, all that kind of stuff, and school kind of wasn't his thing. And he's also a little bit dyslexic, which when he finally became an actor actually worked to his favor because it turns out he had a really, really, really good memory. So his dyslexia helped him actually memorize lines when he was doing acting performances. So take that... Disability and turn into a superpower. <laughs> Talking about, <laughs> but I would say, uh, I mean, I don't know. There's just something about like there's movies that come out that I'm like, eh, and then I see that he's in it. I was like, all right, I kind of want to see it. You know, um, one of them was the right where he plays a, a priest in that one. It's a horror movie type of thing, and you know, I'm, horror movies to me are just a dime a dozen. They're not very good usually but that one i i enjoyed it because like there's just something about him like when he's on the screen it's just that commanding presence um one of my favorite films of his actually is um growing up was uh the edge with alec baldwin I forgot about the edge oh yeah i mean him versus a bear come on man that's just Do you know great. He work with that bear twice what was the second movie uh the the bear's name is bart the bart he was in Legends of the Fall and The Edge. Anthony, oh, yeah. How many times does an actor get to work with a bear, period, let alone get to work with the same bear more than once? Like, to know, no, this bear, it's a good bear. <laughs> yeah, Bart the, I, I feel like Bart the Bear should maybe be your next celebrity spotlight because he's been in a lot of films. <laughs> hmm, famous celebrity. We can, we can, we can work with that. I, I like yeah. So, I, 
and made up just a short list of some of my favorite Anthony Hopkins movies because some of the ones I like are not necessarily the acclaimed Academy Award winning ones. Big surprise. I've got lowbrow taste in movies. If you guys haven't figured it out yet. <laughs> well, yeah, he's definitely been in a couple of stinkers, but oh yeah, everybody has, but he's 137 acting. <laughs> there's one movie that got a lot of acclaim for it that I thought was an absolutely terrible movie. He did a fantastic job in it, but it was just the movie was not my jam. It was uh, Titus. Oh, yeah. Okay. Premise of Titus. Shakespearean one, right? All kinds are wrong. And it was uncomfortable to watch. But probably because he was doing such a good job portraying Titus that I couldn't stomach watching it ever again. <laughs> one of the movies that, I, that he was in that I really wanted to like because I love the story itself and then i like him as an actor but the movie is awful was beowulf it was just like a cgi yeah that that was dumpster fire barf but i mean again it's one of those ones where i still watched it because of him and i've seen it a couple times but overall i'm like "Mm." yeah and again not because of anything he did it just was (laughs) yeah Uh, one of the ones that is a, a guilty pleasure of mine is the old mask of zorro I, I was looking at that. I totally forgot that he was in that. He was the uh, the original Zorro and he was training up Antonio Banderas. And I almost forgot how much I love that movie. I need to go watch it again. Like just go through. I'm like, oh, right, Mask of Zorro. That was actually a really good movie. It's What's funny, it's, it's been on my voodoo wish list for a while. So maybe I should just click buy now. It's time to pull the, pull the trigger. Is that what it is? Yeah. Uh, he was in Mission Impossible 2 as a, as a villain. Or who's a villain in that one, right? Commander Swanbeck? I don't remember. Mission uh, Impossible 2? No. The crappy one? I don't remember. I'm just, there's a list of ones that I remember seeing him in and like it was a, <laughs> he might have been the bright spot of that one because I can't even, I'm not going to knock the Mission Impossible movies. I'm not a Tom Cruise fan, but I like the Mission Impossible movies. But this, the second one's not that good though. <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell you the difference between two through five. You could just be like, oh yeah, it looks like Mission Impossible. Okay, we're good. Um, you know, he was the narrator in uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the 2000 version of it. Yep. Yep. That's true. Once I realized that, I could not help that Hannibal Lecter was telling me a Christmas, Christmas story. <laughs> oh, I forgot he was in the movie with Chris Rock, Bad Company. Mm-hmm. Uh, Red 2, he was in there, which the Red movies, another one of those guilty pleasures of the, uh, the grandparents of action movies, comedy type things. Like mm-hmm. in that one. Uh, he's in the Westward TV series, and he was Transformers The Last Night, which he's probably kicking himself for. Well, okay. You, you say, yes, Transformers Last Night. I still haven't seen it because you told me how awful it was. And yes, he's in it, and I really wanted to see it. But again, you told me how awful it was, and I didn't, I didn't want to go through that. But I also have seen him in Alexander, uh-huh. and Alexander's not a good movie, even though I wanted it to be. But again, he was good in it but it's not a good movie. That's the same knock on Transformers. There's nothing that he did to make that movie bad. No. I also very much liked his portrayal of Odin in the Thor movies. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think they could have cast anyone better than that with his personality. <laughs> no, and you're exactly right. It's, and it's one of those ones, too. Remember when they announced the Thor movies? We're like, Thor, really? And then we saw him and we're like, Anthony Hopkins in a comic book movie? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Compute, but I'm intrigued. 
And it got me going because looking through a bunch of the movies he's been in, that's, I mean, that's just the tip of the iceberg of movies that I remember watching when I was younger. Right. I did a bunch of uh, looking at his social media sites, and he is a ham on social media. He's all over Twitter posting all the time. He's got a TikTok account where he does stuff, and he's, he's shining, especially during this time of self-isolation. Mm-hmm. He's one of those celebrities that he lets you in, opens the door wide, invites you in, and shows you what's going on in his life when he's baking stuff, making things, painting pictures, relaxing on the couch, trying to look different in front of a mirror. Like It's one of the most entertaining feeds I've scrolled through in a long, long time. So if you get a chance, uh, you might want to go follow Sir Anthony Hopkins. And he's pretty good at the piano, too. And he has a great cat. So That is true. Him and his cat do a lot of duetting, if you can call it that. <laughs> I think you mean mew wedding. <laughs> uh. <laughs> you also won a lot of awards, which, you know, obviously, it, it, he, I, well, let me find the exact numbers because it's, if I just make it up, it's not going to sound quite as impressive. But I think he's been 47 awards or 37. Let me pull up my old notepad here. Been nominated for 57 awards and won 47 of them. So you figure for most nominations, you're up against somewhere between four and six other people, right? Mm-hmm. So to be pulling a like 85% win ratio every time you're nominated, is, that seems like a good one. He also got one of the very, very first Razzie Awards. For which? Uh, to do Worst Actor for Change of Seasons. The very first Razzie Awards in 1980. I was going to say, I don't think I've heard of that movie. <laughs> Nobody has. <laughs> oh, there we go. I wrote it down there. He, uh, his knighthood. Uh, no, that was from California. Never mind. He moved to California and became a U.S. citizen in 1990. Moved to California in 1990, became a U.S. citizen in 2000, but kept his U.K. citizenship and his knighthood. <sighs> oh, I forgot he was in that Stephen King movie. Which, which one? Hearts in Atlantis. I don't think I've seen that one. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. I just, this is, it's giving me a nostalgia because I, I like these movies that he's in, but I forgot that he was in these movies and I'm like, I want to watch them again because they're, they're really good. They're really entertaining. Too, because a lot of his characters aren't necessarily like main, main characters. Like he's oftentimes a secondary character, a you know partial part of the movie for it. Mm-hmm. And but he, it, it feels like he's a main character. I think just because you see Anthony Hopkins, he's like oh, this must be an important character. Like, <laughs> okay, so yeah, we covered that he's Welsh. Um, he has one. He's a recipient of an Academy Award, three BAFTAs, two Emmys, and the Cecil B. DeMille Award. And then in 1993, he was knighted by Queen Elizabeth II for services of the arts. Close. It was close. 92, 93, meh. You know, they kind of... It does seem weird, like, not being in, in super in tune with British culture. Knighting somebody for their contributions to the arts seems like an odd jump, but I'm glad he, I'm glad they do it. But mm-hmm. <laughs> Just the idea of... Yeah, whatever. It's, it's a whole other story. Fun fact, do you know uh, he used to date Martha Stewart? What? Mm-hmm. Martha Stewart began dating Anthony Hopkins in the early 90s after she divorced Andrew Stewart, but she broke off the relationship with Mr. Hopkins. Why? Because she saw Silence of the Lambs and said she couldn't separate him from his parents. 
<laughs> but can, can you imagine that Martha Stewart laying in bed or something like that? Going, oh, Martha. <laughs> That's it. I'm out. <laughs> Do the lambs still scream at night? <laughs> oh, man. Especially, you know, since she cooks and everything like that. He, <laughs> this would go well with some farva beans and a nice Chianti. <laughs> So I just, I, I just, I, part of me's laughing way too hard that you referenced to Martha Stewart was because yeah, because she like cooks and stuff. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, that's what, that's why. Um, uh, he also did some fun stuff with Silence of the Lambs, since we just keep coming back to that because it's it's one of the more. I mean, he's been in a lot of things, but like you said, you say Anthony Hopkins, and people immediately go to Hannibal Lecter. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he actually snuck into a screening of Silence of the Lambs. He was hiding in the back of the theater, watched it, but somebody, some woman in the audience noticed, so they actually had to pause the movie because she, it caused such an uproar because she turned and saw him, made a big, huge scene, and everybody freaked out. But he actually just went, bundled up in a coat in the back, and tried to hide the screening of a, of a screening of when it first came out. To be in that theater, because what would make this woman turn around in a dark theater and stare at somebody long enough to recognize that it's him. If he, especially was he who's wearing a coat and a hat and stuff. Like. <laughs> this coming from a guy who can recognize somebody in a band at a show at a concert from across the balcony. Hey, isn't that the drummer from that thing? <laughs> True. <Talking about. laughs> okay. Yeah. Point, point. Just saying, just saying. But and still, I mean, wouldn't you like to think that if you'd sat down in the theater and you weren't the one that noticed him, you'd feel like an idiot? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, he started shouting behind me, and right behind me was Anthony Hopkins. I didn't know. I asked the dude to pass me his popcorn. <laughs> I feel like a lot of people have stories like that, though, where they just missed a celebrity in that way. And I think maybe that would happen with, I don't know, like in a movie, I'm pretty, like, I don't really pay attention to the people around me. You so get there early enough too. You should. True. <laughs> very, very true. I don't, he's one of the top tier celebrities that I would love to actually meet. Um, you know, actually I think it's him, Mel Brooks. And then the third one kind of, I don't know. I don't know anymore, but those two right there are just, they're, they're, they're a huge part of me growing up too. Cause you know, I wasn't allowed to watch science of lambs obviously when I was a little kid. Cause that movie came out in what? 91, 92. I was in elementary school, not a great school kid appropriate show, but you know, I watched other things that he was in um, like a bridge too far. Cause my dad loved world war two movies. So I watched him in that one. Um, and then of course, mask of Zorro, my mom loved Antonio Banderas. So <laughs> that one. And then the edge, it was just one of those ones where just kind of grew up with him and he has been, I mean, he's been doing movies since 1960, right? Something like that. Started back a uh, long, long ago. He went back to the, the years for his movie credits. Just keep going back and back. And, um, let's see here. He graduated from the Royal Welsh College of Music and Drama in 57. And then he invited him to join the Royal National Theater in 1965, where he was in King Lear and uh, 
Madam Butterfly, 1989, West End. 1968, he got recognition in the film The Lion in the Winter playing Richard Lionheart. So, yeah, on the big screen since the mid to late 60s and ever since. Lawrence Olivier is the one that found out about him. <laughs> that was pretty cool. He, uh, he was spotted by Lawrence Olivier, who invited him to join the Royal National Theatre in London. And then he became um, his understudy and filled in when Olivier was struck with appendicitis during 1967 production of August Strindberg's The Dance of Death. That's pretty cool. Can you imagine that? (laughs) (laughs) Somebody famous like that notices you and you become their understudy. Boom. You outshine them real quick. Yeah. Well, yeah. You did mention his musical talent earlier, and mm-hmm. not just singing with his cat. He's a great claim. He actually had a uh, single called Distant Star, released in 1986, that hit number 75 on the Billboard UK singles chart. Dang. And back when he was 19, he composed a waltz called And the Waltz Goes On. Stuffed it away in a drawer for 50 years, and found out later that his wife who was a fan of Andre Rieu sent it to the violinist for consideration and Andre Rieu premiered the piece in Vienna in 2011 and then released it on an album that included the waltz. So Andre Rieu has a Anthony Hopkins composed waltz that was hidden away in a drawer for 50 years. That's pretty cool. <laughs> he is just like so talented. Mm-hmm. I hope you're learning a lot. Listener, watcher. <laughs> Listener, listeners and watchers. Yeah. What else we got here? Before his 38th birthday, he decided to quit drinking. He didn't pick the time, but it chose him as he describes it. Okay. And she says his subconscious came to rescue him from that because maybe he was doing a little too much of it, but uh, he's done some good work since he gave it up. Cheers to that. He... <laughs> classy he's he also seems like he's just got a fun sense of humor about him too like you know he can play these serious roles he could play the shakespearean roles you know we've seen that but then he can also have some fun because like there's some bloopers of him you know just kind of like laughing and everything like that and then like you said his twitter feed he just seems so kind-hearted and that you just want like you just want him to tell you stories constantly (laughs) And it's his, his, his kind of love of life. Like I was reading some of the quotes on him on there and I, I don't, I'm probably going to butcher this because I, I read it a while ago and I don't know exactly what it was, but he takes his whole life is that the best thing in life is to just accept how or accept that everything is the way it is. And he, there's this big smiling picture of him there like that just fits his personality so much of no matter what's going on, you're like, this is what life is. So enjoy it. <laughs> Yeah, I think this. I think what it is is like he just seems so genuine, mm. you know. Because like you'll see interviews with celebrities where they're sitting there and they're like, "Yeah, you know, like, yeah, this movie, blah blah blah." But he'll sit there like in interviews and just talk, you know. He'll he'll actually engage and and have conversations, and he just seems so genuine. And I think that's what more celebrities need to be. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, from Anthony Hopkins on Twitter from April of 2017. 
The most powerful, most courageous part of oneself that one can experience is to totally accept everything except life as it is. And of course, yeah, you, you, you butchered that quote. <laughs> I got close. I got the meaning down. I got the. <laughs> and then the next picture on Twitter is him holding his cat with hashtag I love the rain. Like. <laughs> He's got some of his paintings on display. Uh, there's pictures of, I don't know where it was on display, but he had them up on display somewhere, and it's a picture in front of him. Like, I can't believe I made these, and people want to see them. <laughs> like, I would like to own an original Anthony Hopkins piece. Put that up on the wall. I don't even collect art. <laughs> but I want my Hopkins on the wall. I can understand that. I like that. <laughs> Who's actually almost a Bond villain a few times. I could see that. He was tapped for the villain roles in uh, the third Timothy Dalton film that was never made. I was going to say, there was a third Timothy Dalton film. (laughs) He was in talks to be the villain for it. And then he was the first choice to be the villain in Goldeneye and Tomorrow Never Dies, but he turned them down both times. And then he was also rumored to have a role in Skyfall but uh, didn't take that one either. Did he turn him down because he didn't want to be typecasted? Or no. I mean, he, if you look at his films, he's played a villain in, in a few of them. Um, there was something, I think, right after Silence of the Lambs, he took a couple roles because he didn't want to be typecast. And I think that's where some of the, uh, the range of some of his acting credits come from because I think he was very worried about that. So to make sure to, to put himself in some different shoes so people could see different sides of him. But... I mean, let's see, he played Alfred Hitchcock in a movie. Um, you know, he's played a priest, he's played a pope, he's played son of, or not son of, he's played um, Odin. My brain stopped. Like, he's, God, he's played a lot. So, yeah, I think, I think it's very, oh, man, he was in Mission Impossible 2, uncredited. Maybe that's why I don't remember him in that. Dracula, almost forgot about that. Oh yeah, and Amistad. Amistad and the... He, he played Nixon. I think I need to have an Anthony Hopkins like binge session here. You gotta be careful though, because like, you go through these movies and you could, you could really screw yourself up watching a few of these movies back to back to back. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, Maybe do Silence Lambs and then throw in Thor in there to kind of mix things, <laughs> mix things up a little bit. Got to keep myself on my toes. <laughs> oh man! I think if, if if you're listening to this podcast or watching this podcast, what are some of your favorite Anthony Hopkins moments or roles or movies or anything like that? For a minute there, that you're actually talking about Anthony Hop to like to him, and I was like, dude, if he's listening to this, <laughs> um, I'm a <laughs> I'm on Twitter too, Anthony. Um, sir, Sir Anthony, if you could send me some artwork. <laughs> yes, could we could we have a painting session? Drink some root beers, play some chess, and just have a few conversations. I'm in. Let's do it. I bet he would kick your butt at chess. No way. Mm, it seems like a challenge. I'm not saying he's not good. I'm just saying I'm not bad. <laughs> I'm not going to go out and throw any shade on Mr. Hopkins' chess ability. I don't even know if he plays chess, but... That's true. I, on my own, I'm 
pretty sure against most people, most folks. <laughs> Is it a lot, not so humble brag? Yeah. Uh, nice throw in there on that one. But yeah, uh, you know, Anthony, Sir Anthony, if you are listening, thank you. Um, but the other listeners, what is your favorite role? You know, what's your favorite Anthony Hopkins moment? If even if it's not a role, maybe it's like an interview or him on Twitter. Cause honestly, lately, if, if you're on Twitter, follow him, please do. It is so entertaining. I would love to see that. If you go to Twitter, Facebook, and then find one of your favorite posts that he's done and then just share it under our post, just comment and put it in the comments. I'd love to see it because, uh, <laughs> From my, my last couple of days of looking through his feeds, he can do no wrong in my book right now. So I'd love to see some more of his fun things. Yeah. And share it with everybody because maybe they don't know how talented he is and how cute his cat is and everything like that. So <laughs> I came in for Anthony, but I stayed for the cat. <laughs> <laughs> All right. On that note. <laughs> my mouth, but yeah, yeah, let us know. Uh, it's been fun. Uh, Celebrity Spotlight this week. Get geekish. Sir Anthony Hopkins, one of Hollywood and the world's gems. Lots of good work that he's done. And uh, I think both of us can agree that he's on our list of one of the good ones that we're happy to have been part of many, many a fandoms and yep. <laughs> entertainment portions of the world. But uh, we'll, we'll let you get back to whatever you were doing before you turned on this podcast. But uh, hit us up on social media at Get Geekish and we will talk at you next week.